Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, I'm excited to bring you a session from last year's Rise Up Summit. This session is with Crystal Kershaw of Fieldstone Counseling, and she's talking about how to overcome anxiety as a teacher. Um, so this is something that a lot of us deal with, right? We are dealing with stress, we deal with anxiety, and how do we overcome that? How do we give that to God from a spiritual standpoint? How do we deal with it from a practical standpoint? These are questions that Crystal is going to address in this session. So I can't wait to share it with you. Before I do that, though, let me invite you to this year's Rise Up Summit happening October 21st and 22nd. Um, It is completely free to attend. You just need to sign up at riseupchristianeducators.com. That's riseupchristianeducators.com. All right, here we go. Hi, and welcome back to the Rise Up Summit. I'm here today with Crystal Kershaw. Thank you so much for doing this session with us today, Crystal. My pleasure. Crystal, if you've been part of our summit the last couple of years, she's done. This is the third session that she's done. They've all been so incredibly helpful. Um, Crystal has so much experience as a teacher, as an administrator, as a biblical counselor, and she's going to bring so much wisdom for us today in the topic of overcoming anxiety that we face as teachers. So I really, really appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you again. My joy. (laughs) So we're going to be talking today about, you know, anxiety that we deal with as teachers. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, last year we talked about helping our students deal with anxiety. And these strategies, I'm sure, are going to apply to them as well. Mm -hmm. But it's so common. I think everyone deals with anxiety in one way or another, but especially (laughs) after just all that has happened over the last year and a half or so, um, I think it's it seems extra common. It seems like we're all dealing with it more. Do you find that, that that's the case? <laughs> I think the buzz now this summer is teacher anxiety because we're looking forward to this world where everybody's back. We have significant learning gaps with some of our students. We have to transition back into in-person learning, in-person classroom management. Um, while the juggling of last year has, has subsided, I think we're going to we're going to have a whole new set of issues. Right. <laughs> and um, and so, of course, anxiety is going to well up. It's post pandemic school is something we're all concerned about. And of course, uh, what is going to happen in the first few months of school? Are we going to see a resurgence? How is it going to look? So there's all kinds of areas where anxiety is building. Absolutely. Yeah. So and the reason the reason we bring that up is just. I guess sometimes it's helpful to know, okay, it's not just me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not going crazy. Um, I think a lot of us, it, different, different amounts, but it's really common. It's a common thing, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing we can do about it. Right. So Absolutely. I'm really excited um, to talk, to talk about this. So where, where would I start? If I'm a teacher struggling with anxiety and I was, I was just telling her, I feel like I was, you know, I don't know, sometimes me personally. I'm up and down. Sometimes I'm doing great. I'm really clinging to the Lord. And then there's days. Today was a harder day. So I said, I mean, I need this even today. Where do we start when we are just feeling overwhelmed? Well, first of all, I think you alluded to the fact that we need to understand this is, it's common. It's common to man. It's common to our frame. Some of us struggle with anxiety more than others, but all of us have experienced anxiety in the last year or so. And so 
So it's something that we can account for. It's something that we can say is a normal part of life experience in the world that we live in and in this post-pandemic world and even just in the brokenness of this world, anxiety is going to be something that we have to deal with. So I think probably in a spiritual frame, the best way to put it is that as we as we learn to deal with our anxiety, what we're really learning is dependence on Christ. I always do this when I say dependence on Christ because that's a call of sanctification, right? It's learning to depend on him more and more and it, as as an upward sort of trajectory toward uh, the day we meet him face to face. So learning how to handle anxiety is part of learned dependence on Christ. I think the key to handling anxiety well is quick surrender, very quick surrender. So that involves several different steps. Um, but if we were to say in a nutshell, how can we handle anxiety? I would say learning to quickly identify and then turn to your savior, pray through what's at hand, um, and then go and do the next thing. That sort of quick surrender paradigm of turn to, pray through, go do, that helps a lot. So in those tense moments, that's something you can hang on to. But of course, there are many other strategies that help also. Yeah. Can can you give us like, can you maybe walk us through that with an example? Like what, what would that look like to do like a, a quick surrender and what would that look like? So one of the keys to anxiety is to try to understand exactly what you're feeling because it manifests in many different ways and people experience it in different ways. Some people will have stomach aches that are anxiety driven. Some people will have breathing issues. Some people get headaches. Some people have um, visual uh, issues that occur when they're anxious. Um, others just feel very amped up, very wound tight, ready to explode. <laughs> so, so stopping and saying, what's going on with me? And part of what's going on with you is what's going on with you physiologically. So what's going on with me in my body? What's going on with me in my mind? And what's going on with me in terms of my emotions? That's important. And we would call that stage sort of identifying what's happening. The more specific you can be with that, and I think we've talked about this even last year in talking about helping students, the more specific you can be with what's going on with me, um, the better it is for you to help handle it. So, for example, identifying why you're stressed. If you can't, are you angry? Are you overwhelmed? Are you frustrated? Are you feeling inadequate? Are you feeling insecure? Are you feeling um, like you don't know what to do next? These are things that help before you turn to. So, so once you identify what you're feeling as best you can and, and name it in your mind, right? I'm feeling so frustrated because I haven't had 25 students in my classroom for a year. And now here they are. <laughs> and I'm trying to, you know, make sure everything runs smoothly. If you can identify it, then you can turn to um, your Savior in prayer, right? And then you want to pray right through that. Lord, you know exactly. I'm feeling totally overwhelmed. My stomach is churning. I, I'm not quite sure which way to go next. And so I'm surrendering this to you. I'm asking you. Um, to help me through. So you've turned to him, you've prayed through what you're feeling physiologically and what you're feeling emotionally. 
and and even intellectually because our thoughts lead to those emotions, right? So, um, and then the next step is to go do the next thing. So often in my prayer of praying through, I'm just praying, Lord, just show me the next thing. Just, just give me one next step. It doesn't have to be the absolute best step because I'm going to make many, many steps. <laughs> so it's okay if I just take one step. But moving forward is very helpful in terms of anxiety because anxiety yes. tends to trap us. I like to think of a merry-go-round when I think of anxiety. Mm. We're just around and around and around and around. So even if we move slightly off, we stop the spinning and, and we can start feeling productive in that place. That makes so much sense. So I'm just going to make sure when I'm just saying this, we're um, just starting by identifying why do I feel this way? And, 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 and correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm not sure, I, I don't, it doesn't have to be perfect here. Just, no. just some type of awareness. This is right. what's going on. This, this is all what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then praying through that. Mm-hmm. And when you said surrender, that means like giving it to God, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm trusting you with this. Yeah. Uh, whatever happens is okay. It's, mm-hmm. it's in your hands. And then I really, that's such a practical next, just do the next thing. Because we normally know, I don't know about other people, but I often get stressed because I don't know steps five, six, and seven. Right. But I normally know the next thing, I, at just least one, one next yeah. thing to do. And you're right, just getting yourself moving can alleviate so much stress. So putting all that together is really powerful. <laughs> well, and part of that surrender is saying, okay, show me what the next thing is. So you yes. are really handing your stressor over to Christ and you're trusting him and saying, I'm just going to follow you in the next place. And, you know, it's interesting in teaching, we often do that. I, 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 I know in teaching writing, I used to say, okay, well, what would just be a next sentence that you could write? I'm sure in math, you would often say, okay, the well, what would time. be the next operation <laughs> that you could try? You know, so, so we're always encouraging that as part of the learning process. And it's part of the learning process for us too, in terms of sanctification. It's not a big, it's, just, it's a just one step at a time. And if we teach our minds that, it really relieves a lot of stress. That's another good point, too, that you just mentioned and rebrought up that that sanctification is not, we're not going to arrive tomorrow. <laughs> so to be patient with ourselves as God is patient with us and just look, look for that growth, look for that incremental steps rather than getting frustrated that we're not all the way where we want to be right away. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Wow, that's that's really great. Um, you were mentioning though that you had also some strategies for how to think through this from a spirit, uh, spiritual perspective, and I think you mentioned you had some Old Testament strategies and some New Testament strategies. Could you share some of those with us? Sure. Um, I love the Israelites because they're just like us, <laughs> and it's so interesting if you look at what they went through and their years in the desert and what God was teaching them. And so essentially, if you look at the Old Testament account, you know, they see this mighty hand of God. They've got this incredible um, memory of his power and presence in their flight from Egypt. And then, and then, you know, they cross the Red Sea in this tremendous miracle, and then they're in the desert. Now, that walk from, from the side of the Red Sea to the land of Canaan, that's about a two-week, two-and-a-half-week walk, but it took them 40 years. 
And so why did it take them 40 years? I think it's because they were on a field trip and God was teaching them a couple of things about himself. And those things we can really apply to ourselves also. So the two lessons in the desert that really resonate with me um, that he was teaching them are simply that he was with them. You know, he reminded them again and again, um, cloud by day, fire by night, I'm with you. Manna in the morning, just enough for what you need. I know you, I'm with you, I'm here, I'm working. Uh, He's ever present. And so if we remember that too, if we remember that his presence goes with us in the classroom, we're not alone in our classrooms. We have our, our, we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts as believers, guiding our action, helping us. And, and God's presence, when we're honoring him in the place where he's planted us, is with us, right? And then the other lesson that the Israelites had a hard time deciphering, and we have hard times deciphering too, um, was that he was trustworthy. I mean, again and again, they had seen his mighty hand. He had done incredible things, but they forget. And so we need to be aware of that too. So a couple of strategies that sort of refer to that Old Testament Israelite lesson, those lessons that you can use in your classroom. One that I love is altar stones. So you can just gather or you can go if you want to go to a quarry or I'm sure you probably buy them at a store, but gather some smooth stones. And in your classroom this year, in the corner of the room, um, just have a little pile of altar stones. It's kind of a reference to when um, Joshua crossed the Jordan River. God told him, you're going to get two, 12 uncut stones, one for each tribe of Israel. And on it, on those stones, you're going to place them right here by the Jordan because you will forget my faithfulness. And that's our problem sometimes with anxiety. We forget We feel like we're all alone. We feel like we don't know what to do. We don't know what choices to make. So if you can have a pile of altar stones somewhere in your room, on those altar stones, write just little words that remind you of what God has done in your life and in your teaching and in your experience and with some of your students. Um, It's interesting to me, if you do that, many of your students will want to join in, right? So they can bring in their own stones. You could have a pile of altar stones in your room that represents all kinds of God's faithfulness. So that's one practical and a visual way. So many times in anxiety, in anxious moments, if we can see a visual, visual that sort of helps us uh, snap out of that cycle. Uh, another thing to do is to visualize, I think, your Canaan. And this is where the Israelites had a hard time too. The 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 spies that went over, um, only two of them could visualize themselves in this land, this promised land, Joshua and Caleb. And so we want to visualize ourselves in the promised land of our classrooms too. So what do you want that land to look like? I think it's worthwhile before you start really moving into your classes in a very integrated way to visualize what do you want them to look like? What kind of student do you want to help shape? How in your discipline will they look when they walk out of the doors at the end of the school year? So visualize your Canaan land. Who do you want to be as a teacher? What do you want to look like? Um, 
keep your eyes focused on that. And of course, praying about that and asking God to bless that vision. Um, that will help you be led by that vision and not be led by the fears, just like it helped Caleb and Joshua to, to see the vision and say, oh, we can take them. Uh, the other spies were like, oh, no, we're like grasshoppers next to them. So they were visualizing the fear. Part of handling anxiety is to visualize the future and what you want it to look like. Yeah. So having a clear picture of like, this is this is what I is important to me this year, that these are my goals. This yeah. is what I'm shooting for mm-hmm. can provide us clarity. When we're like, what do I move forward towards? Well, it's that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm moving forward towards that. Mm-hmm. That that makes a lot of sense. Love those ideas. And the New Testament, um, Jesus provides such a beautiful example in the Garden of Gethsemane of handling incredible anxiety and fear. I mean, he's facing the cross. And um, when he goes to Gethsemane to pray, if you analyze it, I like John 14 for this passage because it's very descriptive. So, so Jesus does many things that are helpful in terms of dealing with anxiety. First of all, he calls some of his disciples to come and pray, right? Um, so he, he accesses community and the, and the point of his need, not to complain. You notice he doesn't say to them, oh man, this is horrible. You know, oh, I can't believe I have to do this. But he says to them while he's praying, please pray for me. So access your community of faith, your brothers and sisters to pray with you and for you this year as you move back into a, a you know difficult school year. There's a lesson there. And then what Jesus does in his prayer is also very helpful because he he names what he's facing. He he puts it into words. And if we can learn how to put into words, like we said before, identify what we're feeling. If we know why we're feeling it, now sometimes with anxiety we don't know, that's okay, what we're feeling, how it's affecting us, um, that is very helpful. If we can then claim it, this is sort of the next thing that Jesus does, he knows why he's in that position. And that's because of the call um, of the incarnation, right? He's come to die for our sins. So he's claiming that anxiety as his own. He doesn't defer it. He does say, you know, Father, if it's your will to take this cup from me, but then he says, but your will be done. So he's putting it all into words and he's claiming it. He's owning it and claiming it is helpful to us too. So um, so when you claim anxiety, you have to think about, are my expectations wrong? Am I worried about something that I shouldn't be worried about? For example, am I worried about what kids will say to their parents about this lesson? Or am I overwhelmed with a feeling like uh, that I'm I'm pushing them too hard or that they're going to complain? Are my priorities right in terms of me being a workman approved before my Lord? Because you have to look and say, is there something going on here other than what's right in front of me um, that is causing me to feel so much stress? If I'm concerned with fear of man or fear of parents or fear of students or, um, 
or, you know, I'm, I'm not well prepared because I, I was, you know, doing other things, then, then you have to claim that as part of what's causing your anxiety. And then the third part of what we see Jesus do in the Garden of Gethsemane is that he aims it right to his Savior, uh, to his, to his Father. So, so aiming it involves praying through it, like we said earlier, in a, in a, in a bigger way, because you're also claiming all the different so naming it, claiming it, and then aiming it toward God himself, and again, surrendering it. That's just another New Testament strategy that our, our Lord, as we model Christ, he, he himself works through. It's pretty fascinating when you look at it. Yeah, I love, I just love the example of Jesus in Gethsemane, mm-hmm. because I feel like it does, it shows so many human it, his his humanity and his divinity are so perfectly married in that we can we can so identify we can we can identify with the struggle follow his but he's showing us how to respond yeah. when you're in like the most difficult thing when you're facing the most difficult thing you're going to face mm-hmm. and i feel like that's just so such a helpful picture to keep in mind and that perfect i love too how he has that perfect blend of asking for what he wants mm-hmm. But in a in with a surrender, he doesn't get what he wants. Right. <laughs> he did. He doesn't. Right. You know, and he knows God. You know best. And that's something. That's something I think that's really helpful too. Is is recognizing we, we can and should pray for what we want to have happen, mm-hmm. but with an understanding that what I want might not be what God wants, and that's and that's where that surrender comes in, right? And yeah. saying, you know, yeah. if I choose what you want more than what I want, mm-hmm. it's just so powerful. It's an interesting uh, part, too, of claiming for us, because we are human, that there's sometimes things to confess mm-hmm. in, in what's causing us stress, because it's some true. of our stress is motivated by maybe desires that are not, um, that are not of, of God. They're of, of our own flesh. So that's part of the claiming, too. Yeah. And, and we need to be quick to confess. This is, you know, to be able to talk it over with our Savior and say, you know, Lord, maybe I'm too worried about this. Um, and, and you know, and I, I'm going to turn that over to you because that's really pride or that's really, um, you know, arrogance or I don't know. I don't know what the particular sin is, but if you can call it out and you can talk to them about it, that's an important part of the claiming process. And then you're aiming the whole thing to him. So, so you, you are naming accurately. By the way, an emotions wheel is very helpful for a teacher to have in their desk. Okay. An emotions wheel, there are printable ones on the internet. This is sort of what they look like. This one got a little bit cut off, but it just basically takes any emotion and, and calls it out into more specificity. Uh, and you can have one of these in your desk. You could have one on your wall because they're helpful for students also. Um, and, and that helps you name very clearly. So instead of saying, you know, I'm angry, you could say I'm humiliated or I'm bitter or I'm frustrated or I'm you know, I'm disappointed or I'm disgusted. It helps to sort of tighten it down. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, claiming 
why am I? Is this because I want something that is not wisdom? Or is this because my expectations are too high? Or is this, um, you know, is there something in here that is not godly in my role as a teacher? Is not the best for my students and before my Lord? And then, of course, aiming all I mean, your, your, your father in heaven knows and sees and loves you. Um, he knows the, the state and attitude of your heart before you talk to him about it. But he clearly loves to work through the prayers of his people. I mean, scripture tells us that. So bring it to him. Trust him with that. Um, be transparent before him. And, and I think part of probably wisely handling anxiety too is some degree of transparency in front of your students. Mm -hmm. Um, There are times, and I remember teaching some lessons, where it was very difficult, you know, deep, deep water. And it just wasn't coming together. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember just sort of saying, you know, I'm just feeling right now like this is not really gelling today. And so maybe we need to take a step back or instead of just, pushing on because pretending we have it on a lesson plan and we're just going to fly through it's okay to say well this is this is pretty tough stuff right so maybe we need to i don't know maybe we need to try a new strategy or look at it a different way or maybe we need to reread it again tonight i was teaching high school literature so sometimes it would be you know we're not getting moby dick today so maybe we just need to reread it and come back tomorrow with fresh eyes and Maybe you just find three things about it that you think are interesting, and we'll approach it from that direction. Being transparent that way too calms anxiety because you don't have to be like put, you don't have to put up a front like, yeah. at all. Right, all times I'm always together, and I never respond to how the kids are doing. Especially if we're going to address learning gaps, we're going to need to be flexible this year. Yeah. And be able to say, okay, well, it doesn't seem like we're going to get through all of this today, but that's all right, because I want to be able for us to understand it together. So coming up with new new strategies, new ways of doing things. Um, some of the ways to very practical ways that help with anxiety, box breathing or breathing. Um, I like breathing with a prayer called the Jesus Prayer. We may have even talked about we might it. Have again, though. It's a very simple prayer from the New Testament. It's just a um, it's a prayer that first century Christians used often before the Gospels were written. And it just reminds you of Christ's presence. And it's just a um, simply, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Come straight from the New Testament account of, of the publican in the outer court of the temple. And so I will say that prayer internally along with the breathing exercise to go with. So, um, right. So it's Lord Jesus, son of God, and you're breathing into about a uh, six count, five count, six count. Then you hold it. Um, Have mercy on me is the whole part. So you're saying it in your mind, holding it for about a seven count. And then a sinner is where the longest count comes out. So you try to breathe out far longer than you breathe in. So, about five in, hold to a six or seven, and then way out into an eight. And you can keep on doing that in your mind's eye, and you can keep that breathing pattern 
that is not a normal breathing pattern for most of us. So when we breathe out far longer than we breathed in, it just really cools our system down, calms us down. So that's helpful. Things like this too are so helpful because it's not, every one of us knows Deep breaths are helpful, <laughs> but sometimes when we're most stressed, we like don't want to do it. You know, we, we don't always remember it. And, and just having something like making it a habit mm-hmm. can be so helpful. And I love, I love how you're giving us so many things that connect the practical, like the physical with the spiritual, because it all is together, right? It's like, he, right. we need him most, but putting, putting it together, bringing you know, not having it be like, oh, I prayed and then I did this. It's like, no, I'm praying. Like I'm bringing him into my challenge, right? Like I'm, that's, that's what we need. That's really what we need. And mm-hmm. that's really great. Love that. You said something about box breathing. Is that, was that what you were referring to? Is that something a little different? Right. It's kind of the same thing. Now in box breathing, you have another side sometimes. So you breathe in, you hold, you breathe okay. out and then you breathe in again. Okay. It's just sort of that movement. But it's all kind of the same breathing techniques that okay. help calm you down. Another thing that can be very calming is visualization. And so if you can think of the most comforting vision of Christ that you have, and, and it's probably unique to each of us, if you can visualize that um, in a in a point of great stress, it can be very helpful. So for example... I have, from when I was a a young girl, a a, a portrait of Jesus as a good shepherd. And in that portrait, he is holding a little sheep and there are sheep around him. And and it was in my bedroom when I was young and it seems like I went to bed early a lot. (laughs) And so I would look at it and I would always think, oh, I'm I'm the one in his arms. And I still have that vision when I'm very stressed. I think of myself, in my gentle shepherd's arms. I'm the lamb that he's holding. And he's holding me close and he's with me and he's powerful there. So that can be helpful too. And you can you could have a poster of that in your room if it helps. Um, it will probably help students, but you can certainly go there in your mind anytime. That can be helpful. That's great. Wow, you've given us so many, so many things to think about. Any final words of advice or other strategies that we should keep in mind this year. Um, I, I think probably the most encouraging to me is to remember that this is all a process. And it's part of the process that 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 we are in as believers of of sanctification. And so it's not it's not good or bad. It's it's movement, right? It's about growing. And whenever we think oh, oh, I'm doing really bad or I'm doing really good. That's kind of faulty. That's mm-hmm. faulty thinking. What we should be saying is, I may not be exactly where I want to be, but I'm not where I once was either. So this process of handling anxiety is a process of learning how to do it more and more proficiently and modeling it for your students and understanding no one gets it 100%. No one lives without stress. But um, but the closer, the, the further along in the process you get, actually the closer you are to your Savior, right? Because you're just relying on him. And that he loves us. That's 
wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Crystal. Where can people connect with you if they want to uh, continue to, to connect with you and some of your writings and wisdom? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a website called pleasepassthemustardseeds.com. So there are blogs on there. There are uh, speaking topics that are available on there. And there are also some audio pieces, um, different spots. And then um, fieldstonecounseling.org is a way to connect with me in terms of a biblical counselor. So um, Fieldstone is a biblical counseling center that I work with and and um, their intakes on the website, all kinds of information about biblical counseling and all the different counselors that Fieldstone is. is um, you know, our team is, is really growing and has lots of, lots of helpful, helpful strategies for all of these things. And then in terms of, of just teaching and admin, um, cornerstone.com, uh, ccacornerstone.com is a way to find out more about those types of things. So all kinds of ways. Thank you. And we'll link to that. But real Great. quick, can we just mention to them, if Fieldstone, um, which which we support at Teach for the Heart too, we love Fieldstone yeah. and the work you guys are doing. Um, you guys offer? Do you still offer virtual counseling? Like, so if mm-hmm. someone's listening and they're like, I, you know, I need more than just the tips. I need to actually talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Is that something that they could check out and look into? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I we highly do remote counseling. Often. Right. We, in fact, um, many of our counselors. I do primarily remote counseling now. That's. So we, we all moved to remote during the pandemic. So all of our counselors do some. And absolutely, we have 23 counselors at this point. So we have lots of different um, individuals, all, all trained in biblical counseling. We're all talking about how to apply the truth of God's word into the struggles of life. So absolutely, there's lots of opportunity there. Highly recommend that if you feel like you need additional help. Well, thank you again, Crystal. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys found this session with Crystal really helpful. And once again, I want to invite you to join us in this year's Rise Up Summit in October. Go to riseupchristianeducators.com. You can sign up. It's completely free, um, but you must sign up at riseupchristianeducators.com. And please invite your friends and colleagues to join us as well. As we're finishing up here, if you would like the notes from this episode, or if you want to share this episode with a friend, you can do that at teachfortheheart.com slash 190, teachfortheheart.com slash 190. There'll be all the notes and you can easily share that with a friend. Thank you guys again so much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep trusting. You really are making a difference.